0: art down to read Psalm 76.
1: Okay.
2: Get it up here for my old guys. All right. To the choir master with stringed instruments, a psalm of Asaph, a song. In Judah, God is known. His name is great in Israel. His abode has been established in Salem, his dwelling place in Zion. There he broke the flashing arrows and the shield and the sword and the weapons of war. Sela. Glorious are you, more majestic than the mountains full of prey. The stout-hearted were stripped of their spoil. They sank into a sleep. All the men of war were unable to use their hands. At your rebuke, O God of Jacob, both rider and horse, lay stunned. But you, you are to be feared. Who can stand before you when once your anger is roused? From the heavens you uttered judgment. The earth feared and was still. When God arose to establish judgment, to save all the humble of the earth, Selah. Surely the wrath of man shall praise you the remnant of wrath you will put on like a belt. Make your vows to the Lord your God and perform them. Let all around him bring gifts to him who is to be feared, who cuts off the spirit of princes, who is to be feared by the kings of the earth.
0: Selah, consider this.
1: That's great. Heavenly Father... We give thanks as we come together this morning to worship you in song and word. Lord, the joy of your presence among us that we experience today and every day as we look around and see your creation, which is abundantly beautiful in all that we can see. Lord, forgive us, your your creation, mankind, as we failed Lord, to uphold the calling that you've called us to, to loving one another. Lord, even the church is is failing and stepping away. We ask God that you would protect us from that here in this body, and may we be a witness to others around us that you are true. You will not fail. Lord, your love supersedes everything else that we can imagine. And we're thankful for that. Thank you for Jesus who came, lived a perfect life, was crucified, died, buried, and then rose again. Lord, for us, your creation, paid the price, paid the penalty that we owe, Lord, that we may stand before you righteous. Righteous on account of Jesus and his blood for us. So we give joy, we give thanks, and we give honor to you, Lord, our God, our creator. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: You may be seated. And our catechism question is number 50, as we're drawing close to the end of the catechism questions. And the catechism question, the long uh, question today is, or what is, does Christ's resurrection mean for us And this is something we need to ponder every single day. And the long answer, I'll read the long answer. And so just ponder this uh, answer. Christ triumphed over sin and death by being physically resurrected so that all who trust in him are raised to new life in this world and to everlasting life in the world to come. Just as we will one day be resurrected, so this world will one day be restored but those who do not trust in Christ will be raised to everlasting death. And the short answer, and let's read this one together. Christ triumphed over sin and death so that all who trust in him are raised to new life in this world and to everlasting life in the world to come. And the scripture that it's based on comes from Uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 14. And let's read this together as well. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. What a day that is going to be when we join with all those that have gone before us and we stand before the throne and lift our voices before him. So I'm going to invite you to stand again for he is that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus dies and rose again, Even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Lord is our salvation.
3: Please join me. Heavenly Father, what a glorious day that you have given us. My prayer kind of pales to the words that we've just sung because you are our salvation. You're our only hope. You're our strength. You're our guidance. You comfort us when we're weak or saddened. You heal us when we're wounded in heart and body. You you just, Lord, you're everything. You are everything. My mom once told me if all I had was one page in the Bible, I would have the word of God. And how true that is, Lord. Lord, thank you for giving us this day to gather together. Let us uphold each other. Let us praise you, Lord. Let us worship you and learn. Lord, please just guide our footsteps and our words, our thoughts, our actions. Be with us, not only today, but throughout the entire week. And let us be. Your soldiers, your foot soldiers, and that our focus is wholly on you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for giving us all of these blessings, more than we can even imagine. In Jesus' holy name, I pray. Amen.
0: Amen. You may be seated. I invite Daryl up to open the word for us today.
4: Hopefully that doesn't blow your your eardrums out to start with. Good. That sounds great. All right. So um, what an awesome time that was, Jason. Wow. Thank you. Um, So I dug up this old prayer from an old guy that is long dead. And I wanted to read it, but I want you guys to pray with me. Let's bow our heads. Grant us, Lord, to meditate on the heavenly mysteries of thy wisdom, with true progress in piety, to the Lord, sorry, to thy glory and our edification. Amen. I love uh, the way they used to talk back in yesteryear. So, um, So we're on question 50, and Jason went over it. It says, what does Christ's resurrection mean for us? And we are all familiar with the resurrection, but let's go over it. So Christ triumphed over sin and death by being resurrected so that all who trust in him are raised to new life in this world and to everlasting life in the world to come. Just as we one day will be resurrected, so this world will one day be restored. But those who do not trust in Christ will be raised to everlasting death. And again, our scripture for that is 1 Thessalonians 4.13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do, who have no hope. But, or, or since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep one do you want me to release? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? They all said, let him be crucified. And he said, why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And so what was going on there was Pilate said, what evil has this guy done? You know, it's rhetorical. This guy is innocent. He's basically saying, I can't find anything wrong with him. Why do you want me to crucify Jesus? He's an innocent man. And so being a smart man in leadership, he said, that's not mine. I'm washing my hands of this. And so... Jesus was innocent. He was tried and innocent. And I, I really enjoyed that part of it. So, And then um, the next step I would like to, or the next point I want to make is he willingly gave up his life for his sheep. This wasn't like the criminal where he was paying for his crimes or even an innocent man that just got stuck with a murder, bad place, bad time. This was something that was planned. This was something that he willingly and uh, generously did for us. So that's in John 10. John 10, starting in starting in 14. This is a. This is a um, yeah. All right. So it says, "I am the good shepherd." I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay my life down for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay my life down that I may take it up again. And I have, the, I have authority to take it up again. This charge I received from my father. And there's a couple things in that verse that are important to take hold of. He has authority. So this isn't something that any normal human could do. This is not something we had the ability. God is fully incarnate in Christ, so he has that authority. And so that was an an interesting point to learn. And he says he has the authority to take it up again. And this is what we are learning about. He's taking up his life. He is um, coming back from the dead. And so in 1 Corinthians 11, if you guys like to turn that that would be great. Um, We were getting, or the Corinthian church was getting instructions on how to do Communion, and and a lot of other things, but this specifically was communion. So starting in 25, it says, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So this sheds light a little bit on the mode. This is God's covenant with us. He started off by dying for our sins, and then it being offered for us. The old covenant, so he's saying this is the new covenant. The old covenant was where they took um, a bunch of different animals, heifers. It says heifers, blood goats, bulls, all sorts of different things, doves. They would sacrifice these things and then offer it to God and say, forgive me. So Christ is a different deal. He is this um, this new offering to God that is worthy and more complete. Again, um, let's go to, he- not again, sorry, one more verse. We got Hebrews 9. Hebrews 9.13, 9.11, sorry. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And when we're reading through these verses, what I had taken hold was, that there's always this next step, right? There's the death of Christ, and then in this one, to serve the living God. This is not just this thing that stops. And again, one more verse I'll read real quickly. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus knew no sin, Again and again, I'm going to repeat this. He was innocent. That means he didn't commit any sins. He was spotless. He was what was required in the old covenant where they said you needed a spotless sacrifice. it needed to be good, not junky, right? Um, and so this connection, again, is what I didn't get. I didn't understand that. This is a new covenant. I guess I knew that. I just couldn't. I couldn't connect it. It just wasn't there. The Christ is this, giving us this new covenant. He's like, I am God. I'm going to lay my life down for you. You may be right with me and live with me again. I love that. Um, it's changed changed my life in the last few weeks. So He has outdone the old covenant, but it is the same mode. It's the same. We need blood to cover sin. There is a transgression we have to atone for. Christ atones for us. So, and inside this covenant is where the resurrection makes sense to me. This makes sense because why Why else? There's, there's And here are the rules. These are the rules. Christ died. He was buried for three days, and he rose again. So he paid the penalty. And all right. very exciting, I'm telling you. So um, the next section is the current. This is what the death of Christ, his payment, this is what this leads up to for us now. Um, Okay, so I have an example. This is what we say in baptism. So we are raised to new life. We say we are buried in the likeness of Christ so we align ourselves with the the death of Christ um, and we say we are his and then we are raised to new life and i that raised to new life is is kind of that that big key thing that has that in my mind has changed um, and i think in general if the most blown off portion of our lives the raised to new life what does that mean we're raised to new life now but aren't we just waiting to die and then we can be raised that's that's missing half that's missing now and in Romans 6 Acts and then Romans Romans 6, 4, it says, We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Walk in newness of life. That's huge to me. How do we do that? Well, we have to remember, um, a good friend of mine reminded me of this verse, Philippians 1, 6 through 7. It says, oh, well, I didn't print that one out all the way. I only did 6. So Philippians after Galatians. Hang on. I did try to mark these verses, but there were too many marks. It, be- it became confusing. I tried to tried to get it done. Either way. So mar- uh Philippians 1, 6 through 7. And actually, we start 3 because it kind of gives you the, the loving context this is in. This is from Paul to a church and Paul and Timothy. And so it's meant really lovingly. It says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy, This is not something that we're going to do alone. That's awesome. So some questions for this portion, this now. Uh, Am I truly made new? So do you believe that? Do you believe that you are raised to new life? And what does it mean to walk in newness of life? And So... I'm nervous about this next part. So, but I have a scenario. I want to make it personal to you guys. So, I got a scenario that I decided, and I ran by my wife once and edited it. So, she was very right. The scenario was a bad one. This is a much better one. So, here's a scenario for wives. And remember, am I truly made new? And what does it mean to walk in newness of life? The scenario goes like this. uh, Pretend for a minute your husband is not taking care of the thing that you have been gently reminding him to do. What are you going to do? So 1 Peter um, 3 gives us instructions to the married couples, And it goes, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husband so that even if, Some do not obey the word. They may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives. This speaks to the way we carry ourselves. How are we going to act towards the other person? Verse 5, it says, This is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. So the question remains, are you going to walk in newness of life? And so Martha said, and I should probably not lean on her so much up here, but she said, "Let's let's balance it out, right? So um, here is the scenario for the husbands and for me, right? This is the, this is the, what I've this is what God has changed in me, and it's been just an amazing time. The walk in newness of life. So pretend your wife has been gently reminding you to do the, that thing. What are you going to do? The choice is always there. Am I going to act like I used to act? Am I going to let my flesh act? Or am I going to walk by the Spirit? Am I going to live this new life that you can do? Uh, 1 Peter 3.7 says, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. Showing honor. How are we going to act again? How are we going to carry ourselves out in our marriage as husbands? And then um, just because kids. Um what happens when your chores aren't done you get this general reminder right go do your chore or go clean your room right that's that's what you get So what are you gonna do? And I'm not staring at you <laughs> but Ephesians 6 Ephesians 6 is a good one um, as a dad it means a lot to me. It says children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. And it refers to the 10 commandments honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And so so not to let the kids off the hook but change the subject that there's another there's another the sec the fourth verse after what I just read, was fathers do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This is again another call to walking in newness of life. How are we going to be raising up our kids? We're going to provoke them to anger? That's how I was raised. Anything you did wrong was, you you were taught not to do wrong. But I am saved by Christ. Christ Raised up, and I have newness of life, so how am I going to act? Either way. Kids, again, how are you going to walk? What are you going to do? How are you going to respond? We have to remember, Romans 6, 4, that we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that... Just as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And therefore, this is Romans five, eighteen, in case you're making notes. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. This is this is phenomenal to me when over and over again, he says, walk in newness of life. You're raised to new life. This popped out to me again. It was not just leads to our legal justification to God. We are made right. Everyone knows that. But we get life. And that doesn't start in the grave. It starts now. So, rubber meets the road stuff. Uh, we can do these things, but... These things are only made possible by the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. These are not things we do to gain. These are things we get to do. These are things that we are freed to do. This is not a new set of rules. Oh, we're going to we're going to try harder. This is something that God has given to us. All right um Jason did this earlier I, and I said or I wrote down, I'm sorry to refer to my notes like that but there is another thing besides baptism and communion as we do uh, that we do as Christians. we proclaim he is risen, he is risen indeed. And so what we are saying when we say he's risen he's risen indeed we are proclaiming peace. we are saying we have, no longer have we, we no longer have enmity with God we are justified but we are freed too and so what should we hear when we say that when we when we talk about this newness of life what should we say or what should we hear we should hear freedom Romans 8 Romans 8, 1 through 7. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, And for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Walk in newness of life. Verse five. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For the mind for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. John 8. John eight thirty one. And believe it or not, abiding in God's law, abiding in God's word, does this. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This is what we're, this is what we're looking towards. These new choices, these choices, how are you going to act to this thing? It's not necessarily most important in the relationship, but where is your mind? So it says set your mind on God. Are we going to worry about our sinful desires? Where is our heart going to be? Okay. So again, with what do we do? The Romans 8 12 through 15 says, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, father. Then a Matthew seven, seven. This is the how this is the, what do we do? Right? So Matthew seven Um, this is what's changed. This is what is different. Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven, sorry, how much more will your father, who is in heaven, give good gifts to those who ask him? So uh, get good gifts. we're not talking about a new car, we're talking about these things um, that Christ has been talking about before. He's been talking about righteousness, sincerity, purity, humility, and wisdom. And I can testify to that. Begging God again and again, God, give me the wisdom. Give me the wisdom to raise my family. I don't have it. I need your help. So we need to turn to God. This is the how. So what do we do? We need to turn to God. We need to first ask for forgiveness for our sins. We need to make sure our heart is right. And we ask him for these abilities. God, Protect me from the sin. I am I am straining with this thing because of, we'll just say, it, because of my past, because of how I was raised. I struggle. So God free me from that. And he says he will. And you can walk in newness of life. All right. So at the end of this catechism, uh, or the end of the catechism verse in First Thessalonians, it says, For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. This is good. We don't just have this and now, this life to um, struggle through. There will be a time to live that we are freed from all of this bondage from all this flesh. We get to be new creatures in the flesh, not just spirit. We get new life complete. This is a huge hope. Um, and we can trust it. In uh, And I, I enjoyed the way, uh, so in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, it really lays out resurrection thoroughly. Um, next. Get to it really quick, and and the argument that was put forward is quite interesting. He's saying one one thing, this thing can't be and that thing can't uh, can't be. I don't know if that says it right, but if and I'll just read it. How about that? You guys probably pick up on it just like I did. Alright, so 1 Corinthians 15-16. It says, For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. And we're talking just like, he's saying then there's nothing. And that our faith now is worthless. It doesn't mean anything for anything if there is no afterlife, if we don't get raised up again with Christ. So, but what we do know is we are not in our sins. Our debt has been paid, and Christ's resurrection proves this. Christ has been called the first fruits. Christ being called the first fruits, you bring to mind. Um, the Old Testament requirement of Israel where uh, they called it the feast of harvest where the farmers, everybody was what did they call that Agra agri- you know words? Agro I don't remember what they are they, they're agrarian, right? That's the right word. Um, but they farm what they eat. That was their normal and this is this is this this type of people so but in the beginning of the season, before the main harvest comes in, they would come in and they would cut up and they would bring in a sheaf of grain and then they would take it and prepare it. But this was done in the hope and trust. So it's hope slash trust that God was going to bring in the future harvest. They were giving up. Here you go. I mean, what if what if say January? Every January we we take everything that we make and we just be like, all right, there you go. That's to God. God, I trust you. And he will provide. That's essentially. It's like a vague picture of what that meant. Um, so Romans eleven. Romans eleven sixteen. So miss. Again, is in the metaphor of this first fruits, this dough, this offering. And what is being alluded to or trying to build a picture of is Christ being the first fruit. So it says, if the dough is offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. And so. Christ is holy and accepted, so since Jesus was the first fruits, he was raised up first. We can have faith that God will raise us up. We can trust that. So, this is the this is the rough part. I, um, I didn't. I struggled with this part. I didn't wanted to talk about this part mostly because it's hard, and. I go for the easy way out mostly, so. But here we are. So the end of Catechism 50 says, "But those who do not trust in Christ will be raised to everlasting death." Um, it is real. This is this is the covenant. You are in the covenant, or you are not in the covenant. There is no two ways about it. So Matthew 13, Matthew 13, I. I found this this morning, so bear with me. It's uh, the parable of the weeds and terrors. And it gives a picture of what is going to go on at the end. It says in 24, he put another parable before them saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then, do you want us to go and gather them up? But he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Here's the rubber. So, let both grow together until harvest, and, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them into bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. So, I challenge you to assess where you're at, especially in light of this. If you are not walking with the Lord, ask him for forgiveness. Ask him to show you. He will, as we read, he will give. Trust him. He is sufficient. Um, And if you are in the faith, I... Would highly recommend this. It's been transformative for my life in the past few weeks. To when you struggle, confess and ask God for help. It's easy. God is a loving Father and He means to help us and He will bring it to completion. That's something we can trust. All right. Should I close in prayer? Let me, let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, you know our hearts. God, you know everyone here. God, to pray for those who are not with you. God, change their hearts. I pray that while we sit here, they make a choice. God, decide, decide to give themselves up. God, thank you so much for this newness of life. I pray you continue in me and I pray for everyone here that they take hold of these truths God thank you so much amen
0: we have been saved from much have we not amen let's stand and we're going to close with Christ our hope in life and death he is our only hope